Hi, everybody. This is Bob Gale, co-creator of Back to the Future, and you're listening to Brad Gilmore. <laughs> Okay, relax, Doc. It's me. It's me. It's Martin. Oh, I can't be. Just sent you back to the future. Yeah. Oh, I know. You did send me back to the future, but I'm back. I'm back from the future. Great. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Doc. Uh, are you telling me that you built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? The way I see it, if you're going to build a time machine into a car, why not do it with some style? Hello, everybody, and welcome to Back to the Future, the podcast, the only podcast looking back in time, the greatest film trilogy of all time, Back to the Future. I'm your friend in time, Brad Gilmore, and here we are. Ladies and gentlemen, I officially welcome you to season 10 of the podcast. See how I did that? I learned that from my DJ friend, DJ Motai. Did it go up and down in your ears like... Learn that's called crabbing, which is a whole nother subject. But welcome, pinheads. I hope you've been well since our hiatus of season nine, and we're back to bring you more of Back to the Future goodness. I can't even believe it, but guys, I, I tell you, I tell you, recording this season, and you know, I'm still, by the time you're hearing this, I'm still currently in the process, if you will, of recording this thing, but I am having so much fun podcasting in general in my lifetime. Now, back in December, I turned of a certain age, and uh, with that, I thought maybe like with great age comes great responsibility, but I'm actually busier now doing what I like to deem fun, sophomoric, adolescent adventures. <laughs> than I have been at any point in my life. And really, a lot of it is thanks to everyone who listens to this podcast or if you listen to me with Booker T on the Hall of Fame or if you listen to um, my new Clue the Movie podcast where we break down Clue the Movie minute at a time or my collection podcast where I interview all kinds of celebrities like Brian Cranston and and uh, who else have I done recently? William Shatner. Pretty cool. The Shat. Doesn't sound as cool when you say it that way. Um, but, but you know, really, anybody who listens to those shows, I have to thank you all. Because it's really, not only do I enjoy doing it, but I enjoy that there's an audience out there that actually in, enjoys listening to me do it. If that makes sense. So, all the pinheads, thank you. I always want to shout out anybody who's left an Apple review. Um, that's, where I, that's where I listen to podcasts. I'm kind of one of those people. It's like I listen to them on Apple, so I look for reviews on Apple. I don't promote the Spotify and all that stuff as much, but let's see if we have any new ones. Scrolling down. Great Scott. This, this is from KJ Hogan. Great Scott. This is a great podcast. Very fun listening to another fan discuss all the ins and outs of the greatest trilogy ever told. Well, I could not agree with you more, uh, KJ Hogan, and I appreciate your patronage to Back to the Future. Uh, the podcast and thank you everybody who's been doing this with me sorry I'm trying to find out when was the date of the last show okay I can look that up later doesn't matter guys it's people like you that keeps it going that's the point of it 
And if you haven't checked out the book, obviously, I'm sure y'all have heard the ad a million times. Let me do a million and one. Uh, back from the future, celebration of the greatest time travel story ever told. I mean, I get little things from the publishing house where it shows <clears throat> total copies sold. And I'm, I'm, I'm obviously I'm not going to go into specifics, but I'm just going to say it's humbling to think that many people have purchased this work. Right? It's crazy. Today on the podcast, our official season 10 kickoff, I'm going to be going through the headlines of the future and really the present, and update everybody here on any story that's really caught my eye over the last time we've been off regarding Back to the Future. Um, also, I want to remind everyone to go to backtothefuture.com. Shout out to my man, Stephen Clark. You can get tickets uh, or find out information about getting tickets for that big debut this year in August for Back to the Future, the musical, something I'm planning on going to. But uh, go to there, do that. I'm excited. I'm excited about all things Back to the Future, and I think that you'll be excited right now as we look at all the headlines you may have missed since Season 9 about Back to the Future. Let's go. All right. All right. Here we are. Here's some news from the future. I have... Let's see, one, two, I have four articles pulled up, four that caught my eye that I wanted to share with everybody. Um, the first one is uh, published late in, uh, let's see, you're going to be hearing this in February, late January of 2023. It's about Michael J. Fox, and um, Michael J. Fox has a brand new film that is out uh, or coming out about his documentary and um, about having Parkinson's and things of that nature. And um, let's see. Let's read it here. Let's see. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Blah, 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 blah. The film did this. Um, Let's see. Fox was on hand in Park City, Utah, Friday for the world premiere of his documentary, which details his life, career, and focus as an advocate for Parkinson's research following his own diagnosis. He received a strong standing ovation and during a question and answer session was praised for raising $2 billion to benefit research for the disorder that affects the nervous system. The number, as impressive as it is, kind of in a way pisses me off because I thought we'd be done with it by now. But science is hard. He stayed optimistic, though, and said the progress has been measurable and there's hope for Parkinson's prevention in the future. People say, but what... Well, see, people say, but that will be after your time. Are you okay with that? Fox asked and answered his own question. Hell yeah. He said, that would be great. Just get it done. I don't care if I'm on the bus. What's well, nice. Um, I read that one because, again, I think that if you don't know anyone who suffered from Parkinson's disease, um, if you've never met anybody or no one in your family or yourself, obviously, um, it is horrendous. Horrendous disease. And I've talked about it before on this show, but my grandmother was diagnosed with Parkinson's. And the only connection I had at the time to the disease was like, oh, that's what Michael J. Fox had, right? So Michael J. Fox had. And my grandmother was so strong, man. This is a woman who was born during the Depression, came up in literally nowhere, Alabama, and found her way into Houston, Texas, and was the first female executive at a bank. 
She was executive vice president of a Liberty Bank at the time in Houston. Very successful woman. I always joke that she had a uh, Lincoln Continental, a Rolex watch, and she had her like fro picked out, all of which are true. And I said my grandmother was a pimp of her day. <laughs> but, you know, when she was diagnosed with it, she kept it real close to the vest as far as like the effect that it had on her. I knew that it had the shakes, you know, and that's what we would call them, you know, the, the uncontrolled sh shaking, right? And she used to joke, uh, my grandmother's name was Jerry, and she used to joke, she's like Jerry Lee Lewis, uh, who recently passed away, and said there's a whole lot of shaking going on, right? She was so strong with it, but then, you know, toward the last, I'd say, five years, six years of her life when she had that disease, it was very hard, and... um she needed full care around the clock. She wasn't remembering people, wasn't wasn't with it all the time, had a hard time getting sentences together. And, you know, I mean, the Parkinson's kind of messed up the filing cabinet. It is a nervous disorder, but, but she had a lot of memory issues related to it. And it, it was hard to see. And so I'm glad that there's going to be a film out there that can really tell the story of what it's like to live with Parkinson's daily. Michael J. Fox, awesome sport about it. And he really makes it seem... Um, um, you know, well, I mean, his personality is he kind of not takes it as a joke, but he jokes about it, which I think is the only thing you can do, whether it be the incredible episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm, Larry versus Michael J. Fox, or sometimes I heard him on Howard Stern saying, well, it makes brushing your teeth. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing, and I'm sorry if there's any kids listening right now. I think he said on the Howard Stern show, it makes brushing your teeth and, and <laughs> masturbating easier. How about I put it that way? Um, which is funny, right? But, but in order to showcase the film itself and really uh, the, the affliction itself within the film, I think it's really important. So I'm glad that he's doing it. Um, well, I'm trying to get more information about the doc that I can kind of disseminate to everybody. I'm hoping to have maybe the man himself or people involved with the documentary on the podcast so we can really spread the word out about it. But the new documentary definitely is something that you need to be checking out if you haven't heard about it already it's coming out soon. I'm trying to remember what's the name of the new doc. The name of the new Michael J. Fox movie. Um, what is it called? Still a Michael J. Fox movie. Is that what it's called? Yeah, still a Michael J. Fox movie is the name of it. It's going to be on Apple TV Plus later this year. So hopefully we can score some interviews with uh. The filmmakers and maybe Michael J. Fox himself. I'm going to be working on it. Trust me that. Trust me that. Um, the other story that I saw that I wanted to talk about had to do with... Oh, man, and I just exited out of it. Had to do with something that he was talking about during the promotion of this film. This comes from Variety. And the name of the article is... Michael J. Fox praises Christopher Lloyd, says their friendship took off on Back to the Future Part 3. He's not just a crazy guy. He's an artist. That's the quote. Let's read. Michael J. Fox nearly broke the internet last October when he reunited with Back to the Future star Christopher Lloyd on stage in New York Comic Con. The duo. Oh, do I have the audio here? Hold on. I might have the audio. You see what, how much he loved acting. I never got that before. I never had that conversation with him. With him. But to sit down and talk about acting, talk about Shakespeare, talk about King Lear. And go, yeah, this, this guy could play King Lear. And then 10 years later, seeing him play King Lear. Hey, people don't expect that from him. He's always full of surprises. Like that. And one thing I want to say about him really quickly 
Let's say again, you learn as an actor, the people you work with, and I learned from him about exposition, about telling a story. And, um, you know, there's always the actor you get stuck with. You have the car came in at 10.15, and then uh, get all the information, all what we call the pipe out to the audience. 1,500 gigawatts. Yeah, uh, so then we get this guy who, who can tell a, a movie's worth of a pipe in two seconds. He just like, and you get it. And, like, us regular actors have to, like, lay out hours and hours of pipe and look like idiots because you can't act when you're laying out pipe. You have to just get the information out. But Chris was brilliant at it. And it was all part of I noticed with Chris all the way along. It's just his love of film, his love of being an actor. And it's, it's not just this crazy guy. He's an artist. Okay, boom. Look at that. That was awesome. I didn't know they had audio there. But again, they talk about the friendship. And if you missed it, he says, uh, it took me a film, few films to get to know him on Back to the Future 3. We connected a way we hadn't in the other films. And then that's when the clip picked up. I came to realize how much he loved acting and going out to play Clint King Lear and uh, all that. It's really cool because Back to the Future 3 is my favorite of the Back to the Future trilogy. And it's I know some people just like slam their brakes in their car. But it's true. It's my favorite of the Back to the Future trilogy. And um, I'm really happy that... Uh, that he and Christopher Lloyd got the bond throughout that movie. Because you have to think, I think people all, a lot of the times are like, oh, y'all did a movie together. How could you not be super close, right? And and I'm not saying this like to be like, well, it's an octo. But I've done a movie before, and I recently shot a scene for a documentary that's on BET Plus called uh, Memory Builds the Monument, where I play um, this newscaster. And I, and I co- I have a scene with a guy, my my co-star, if you will. It's a guy named Dexter Walker. Now, here's like, this is uh, maybe not like a one-to-one comparison or it's definitely not a one-to-one comparison, but for me, this is what I think about. So that was the, when we did the scene, this is the first time I'd ever met Dexter in my life, right? Literally, as he's coming out of the dressing room and done with makeup and is in costume, this is the first time I've ever met him. And the scene is not a very long scene. In the documentary, it's like, I don't know, 30 seconds, maybe. But Dexter comes out. We sit down. We shoot the scene. It takes maybe a half hour to shoot the scene, right? We chit-chat for a little bit afterward. Then I get in my car. I drive back home. Boom. That's it, right? And it's not like we sat around and talked and got to know each other and went out for dinner and da-da-da-da. Now, I know that's only one scene in one project, one night of filming. But for Michael J. Fox, at the time, he was doing Family Ties. He was doing, for Back to the Future 1, he was doing Family Ties, and he was doing um, Back to the Future at Night. Christopher Lloyd had already shot six weeks on this movie, remember? So by the time I think that Michael came onto the project, Chris was already at that stage of, man, I'm having to do this all again, right? And... He felt as though, and I'm projecting, but he felt as, okay, like, let me just get the work done because I've done this already. I put my heart and soul into it already. I just want to get the work done so I can move on. And then in Back to the Future 2 and 3, they shot him back to back, but 3, obviously, they shot last. And 3 is a much slower film, and it's very centric on Doc and Marty in a lot of time together. And and they even said like, it was a lot more laid back. It was quiet. It was peaceful. They probably had more time to bond. It makes complete sense that three was where they really, um, got close. Makes a lot of sense. Let's see. 
Here is the next story I want to talk about. This is called Back to the Future Part 2 Unseen Deleted Scene Details Shared by Marvin Barry Starr. Let's read. Back to the Future's Marvin Barry star Harry Waters Jr. also exclusively shared what he found jaw-dropping from the original movie, surprises on set of Back to the Future 2, and behind-the-scenes fun with Marty and Michael J. Fox. When Harry Waters arrived on the set of Back to the Future to shoot Marvin Barry scenes at the Enchantment of the Sea Dance, it wasn't just a fresh start for him. The production crew had finished reshooting weeks of footage with Michael J. Fox, who replaced Eric Stoltz as Marty McFly. We just talked about this. As with the rest of the cast, the actor who played Chuck Berry's fictional brother isn't his cousin it's your cousin he's his cousin thought the movie great job express.co.uk thought the movie was just another job until it arrived in cinemas and became a colossal hit speaking exclusively with express.co.uk harry said i was surprised by the movie because i never got the whole script and then it comes out they got to my song earth angel and i was floored when they did it because all of a sudden there's this huge orchestral support it was jaw-dropping. Then the album went gold. I was on a gold record. That was totally unexpected. How could anyone even know that was going to happen? The 69-year-old song who sang his signature track with the Back to the Future of the Musicals, Marvin Barry, after a special performance of the West End show, has fond memories of working on the first two films. Harry continued, Michael J. Fox is like one of the nicest people you could ever meet, and we did share a beer and a cigarette in his trailer. We had lots of time to hang out and just talk. He was so accessible. The Marvin Barry actor was also amazed how well the Marty star could play the electric guitar, claiming Johnny B. Good would have sounded great even without the overdub. Four years after Back to the Future was a mega hit, he found himself on a recreation of the same 1955 set for part two's time travel shenanigans, great word, when Doc and Marty were trying to avoid bumping into their other selves. He said it was totally unexpected and out of the blue. They were shooting Back to the Future part three at the time, so there were sets that could overlap in the soundstage on the back lot. So you could walk a few hundred feet and see the Western DeLorean and mineshaft tunnels. It was like, what's that? The actor went on to reveal a deleted scene from Back to the Future 2 that could have well disrupted the space-time continuum. Are you kidding me? They do one of these continue-reading things? Awful. Okay, here we go. Harry said the deleted scene took place when Part 2 Marty, dressed in a black hat and jacket, was climbing over the top of the stage in the scaffolding as Part 1 Marty was playing Johnny Good below. Okay, we've seen that. He shared a take. He shared, there's a take where I look up and then I go on stage and go, nah, and then make the phone call. So I would have been the one person to see both Martys. Oh, okay, that's the end of the scene. Okay. Well, <laughs> not earth-shattering, right? Uh, however, let's see, what are the implications of him seeing Marty? Well, he waves it off and says, nah, so he doesn't even think. Here's the thing. Makes perfect sense why he would shake it off, though. You might be like, well, why would he shake it off? Remember, they were in the car, hooking it up. And when they were toking it up, you know, obviously, you could maybe have delusions of grandeur or, you know, some hallucinations, if you will. And that's why he did not see or did not think he saw Marty McFly. But he was like, nah, I couldn't have seen that because he's right here on stage with me. And I'm probably a little high. A little high. <laughs> Sorry. I had a Red Bull about an hour ago. And probably not the smartest thing for recording a podcast because I feel a little jittery. Anyhow, makes sense. 
But those are some news headlines from the future. Really just wanted to have an episode to kick off Season 10 and announce that next week we will really be getting into the thralls of Back to the Future, the podcast, Season 10. We're going to have really fun things like breaking down the anatomy of a scene. We're going to have 20 things you may have missed. We're going to have some great interviews, some time capsules, all kinds of great stuff, some script readings of alternate versions of Back to the Future. Really excited to get into it with you all this season on Back to the Future, the podcast, Season 10. But, guys, it really, this is the kickoff episode. If you've been with me since 2015, you know those kickoffs or a little preview of the things to come. And ladies and gentlemen, I am so excited for Season 10 of this show. But until next time, this is Back to the Future, the podcast. The only podcast looking back in time at the greatest film trilogy of all time, Back to the Future. I'm your friend in time, Brad Gilmore, and I will see you in the future.